Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Hello, welcome everyone to our online service. As you know, we're living in a world that feels as if it's out of control. For you, it may be something serious in your life or in your physical body. Perhaps it's your finances or something that you feel you're up against and there's no hope of overcoming. But I'm here to tell you that maybe God is setting up a new start for you today. Isn't that exciting? You know, it's not a coincidence that you are listening to this message. And I believe it is very possible that God is bringing a miracle your way. You need to believe for it. And you may think that this year has you know, flown by and nothing really significant has happened. But I want to tell you that this could actually be your best year. I'm talking the, the best year spiritually. Today's message could change the rest of your life. And so before we even carry on, let's just pray. Lord, I just want to thank you that we can gather in your name today. There is something so powerful that happens when your people come together in unity to worship, to receive the word of God, or to be together. In fact, God, your word has said, do not forsake the gathering together. And so I really do thank you for your Holy Spirit, that today you will bring life, direction, and purpose to each and every person that is listening to this message, that we will have ears to hear, and God, that we will have hearts that are open to receive your word. You know, I believe this word is in season, it's on purpose for our lives, and so, God, I pray you'll go before us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're ready for today's word, hold up your Bible wherever you're sitting and say it like you mean it. My heart's open. My mind's ready. I won't be the same again in Jesus' name. You know, we all struggle at times. I can remember coming out of the army and I had kind of stopped going to church because I was frustrated at some of the things that had taken place during my national service. So I was angry with God. You know, I'd given my heart to the Lord when I was a 12-year-old and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior and served Him all through high school. You know, I did my national service, but then I came out and I was angry. And, you know, I went off to study. I never rejected God, no. But at the same time, I never pursued Him, never went out of my way to go to church. You know, I was in my own little bubble. I did well in my studies and I was offered a great job. And so I thought I had it all together, but I knew deep in my heart I was far from God. And as I walked into that company, to the cubicle that I'd been asked to share with another person while they were going to get mine ready, I heard him on the phone and he was on the phone and he was really excited. And he was telling somebody on the other end that the night before had been incredible. And he says these words, I gave my life to Jesus. You know, that was how I met Peter. I stood there and I just smiled because I knew that God had my number. Peter spent the rest of the day telling Peter about this incredible encounter that he had with God. And I just stayed quiet to one side. Well, anyway, I was there for a while and it wasn't long before we became friends. And one day he offered to give me a lift home. And on the way, he said, we were driving on the ferry. He said to me, you know, Mark, you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You know, you've got to, you've got to come to a place where you make a decision. And I said to him, yes, I agree. And he almost had a heart attack on the freeway as he pulled over and we prayed in his car. I mean, he was so excited. He then invited me to go to church with him. And he said to me, it's the Assemblies of God, Maranatha, Durban North. And I've actually been part of that same church group all through high school. 
So I went with him and ended up being there for many, many years. And all through that time, Peter was there at my side. And it is amazing how God showed up in the middle of my mess. And he will show up in the middle of your mess as well. And he uses people. Did you hear? He uses people to confront, encourage, and walk with us. You know, it wasn't long and my heart softened as I worshiped God and I engaged with the word of God. My heart started to become more sensitive again to the message of God and the people of God, you know, coming together with them. And I met a man called Malcolm who invested in me and spoke into my life. I remember joining a small group. Malcolm had actually introduced small groups to South Africa and he was one of the first churches ever to have them in the country. Up until then, it had been Wednesday night Bible study, you know, and it was awesome having a close group of people around me that talked life into me. You know, when I first met Jane, I couldn't wait to introduce her to them. You know, they changed our lives. Malcolm then encouraged me to become a junior youth pastor and then the youth pastor, which I was for a number of years. A lady called Judy invited us to join her small group and we were there for many years and it was so amazing to build relationships with people that were going in the same direction as me, as we, as we were, as we were traveling. Yeah. And we started having accountability in our life. I connected with another mark and we got together on Wednesdays around food. Let me tell you, it's always good to get together around food, you know, and we studied the word of God together with a group of men every Wednesday. Man, we always had an apple at the end of it. And all that time, these people were investing into my life. After we got married, a man called Ron started mentoring me and got me to run his young adults ministry. A few years later, another man, John, mentored me and I started running life groups and prayer meetings. And all this was drawing out my belief, uh, drawing out of me my potential and preparing me for ministry. You know, I'm so grateful for these people investing into my life. What they did was start to call out something greater in my life that I could not see. I really couldn't. They started calling out leadership and ministry and purpose and the importance of the local church. And after years of building connectivity and relationship and health into my life, I came to the place where I was, that's a God, I'm going all in. You can have my future. You can have my life. And I'm so grateful that so many people went out of their way to prepare me for my purpose. You know, not all of us are called to full-time ministry. I really get that. But we are all called to minister, to serve, you know, to, to, to impact others. And I had won international advertising awards around the world, had a great career, but that didn't make me happy. And I can remember clearly the day we sold the house when I left the business behind and I went all out into the work of the ministry, you know, and we traveled here to Paul. And it's been an absolute honor for me to serve in the house of God. And it's been an honor because this is a health, life-giving church. And I want you to know that wealth, possessions, position, promotion can never bring true peace. You know, it can never bring the peace that, that passes all understanding. It can never bring the joy of the Lord that becomes our strength. What I want you to catch today is that it was a series of interactions with different people, people, Peter, Matthew, Judy, Mark, Ron, John, just to name a few, and connecting with the local church that led to me having a complete transformation from isolation to wholeness. Why I'm sharing this is because I believe it illustrates the principle of 
transformation, the principle of our lives changing for the better. And there are, I believe, a lot of Christians who are lacking this in their lives. A lot of Christians that think that a simple church service is somehow the primary tool to transform their lives. But the Bible teaches us that it is something more than that. We must have a biblical fellowship or a connection. It's a close Christian connection. It brings true healing and wholeness into our lives. And I've learned the power of getting close to other righteous people that changes lives. And we see this in the Word of God. It's so clear in James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is what? Is what? Powerful and effective. So we see that healing is a result of confession and prayer. You know, not just to God, but to other Christians. And I wonder today how many Christians are lacking healing in their lives because there is no horizontal confession or accountability to anybody. You know, post-COVID, a teaching has emerged that we don't need the local church. You know, we could just podcast a sermon or or just have a, a little breaking of bread in our house, you know. Now I understand some of you are sick, you know, or you're in locations outside of our area, the Paul region, and I'm not talking about that. But because we live in a world where we lack accountability to anyone and where there is so much uncertainty and divisiveness, this belief system takes us into deeper isolation. Or else we think that, you know, oh, well, perhaps another tearful worship surface will just do it. Or perhaps, you know, a new Christian book that I read will somehow change my life and give me insight and healing. But honestly, I believe what we need is accountability. In other words, fellowship and connection, as the Word of God said, with others in our life. You know, I've also come to realize that what is missing in many Christian lives today is humility. And guess what the key ingredient of humility is? Are you ready? The willingness to experience humility. Isn't that something? You know, we live in this information age so we can get to a place where we think that knowledge is our biggest problem. If I can just get some more knowledge about this issue, this subject, my condition. But that's not it. You know, you can Google almost anything and sound like the smartest person in the room. What is really missing is accountability, realness. You need friends that can look you in the eye and say, how are you doing? How are you really doing? No, no, don't give me that. How are you really doing? Let me help you. Yeah. And I know for me, my life breakthroughs came in surrendering my life to God, accepting his purpose and being held accountable to other people, allowing them to speak into my world. And there is a great principle. Maybe you need to write it down. It's called the humiliation principle. The humiliation principle says this. The degree to which you are willing to humiliate yourself is the degree to which God's grace is poured out or given to you. Did you hear that? The degree to which you are willing to humiliate yourself is the degree to which God's grace is poured out or given to you. And it's like the story that's found in Luke 5, 17. It says this, one day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. 
When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Verse 24, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. You see that Jesus is teaching in Peter's house, which was so full because his teachings had become infectious. In fact, they had gone viral in the community. You know, he was proclaiming the kingdom of God. You know, he was saying, it is coming. He was ministering to people, casting out things. I mean, it was an incredibly powerful time. And suddenly, in the middle of all of it, men start breaking through the roof while Jesus was teaching. You know, they began to lower this paralyzed friend down to him. Can you imagine that right now? Those friends were so desperate to see their paralyzed friend heal that they did something crazy to get him before Jesus. Can you imagine picking up your paralyzed friend and carrying them to the top of a house, onto the roof, cutting a hole in the roof and lowering them down before Jesus? And instead of Jesus rebuking him for vandalism and the mess, you know, because they had just created that, you know, he responded to their faith and healed their friend. So many times when we look at the story, we talk of the paralyzed man who was healed. Or we talk about us being that type of friend. You know, are you prepared to carry someone to Jesus? And that all is totally, totally valid. But today I, wanna, I want to highlight the faith of friends. Friends that were willing to do something crazy to get their friend before Jesus. It takes a lot of guts to rip through another man's roof to get a friend you know, healed, right? Come on, be honest. How many of us would do something illegal to get their friend before Jesus? You know, don't tell me. I don't want to know, you know. But come on, let's be honest. These guys love their friend so much that they would do anything to get him before Jesus. And I believe that is what church is all about. So my question is, do you have friends that would rip through a roof for you? Did you hear me? Do you have friends that would rip through a roof for you. And I believe that is what the church was intended to be like. I think in my life, you know, it's the story of all those names that I named earlier. Do you have friends that will go crazy, you know, out of the way to see you healed, to see you made whole? Do you have friends that are fighting for you? Because sometimes we need borrowed faith. When you're too discouraged, too tired, you know, you know, being through too much, that's okay. If, if, you have friends with faith that are there for you. Someone to call you to let you know that they are praying for you. Someone to come and visit you with an encouraging word. Someone to go to God on your behalf. Someone to speak victory into your life to remind you that God is still on the throne. Do you have friends with faith for you? To pray for you when you're too weak to pray. Encourage you when you feel like it's all over. You know, speak favor over you when you feel discouraged or disadvantaged. Do you have friends with faith for you? How connected are you? Come on, be honest. Look around your life. Who is in your life today? Statistics show that the number one predictor of your spiritual growth is how many intimate Christian friends you have in any given moment in your life. More than church service attended, more than Bible verses memorized, more than any other spiritual discipline, intimate Christian community equals transformation, equals change. Isn't that mind-blowing? 
it's confirming what James 5, 15, 16 says. It says, when righteous people come together and have confession and pray, it is powerful and effective. You know, we often talk a lot about our spiritual health and how that impacts our physical health, right? But check this out. Close, supportive friends not only help you spiritually, but physically as well. There's a lot of research on this. Did you know that your odds of surviving cancer, heart disease, strokes doubles based on how many intimate and supportive friends you have in your life? That's mind-boggling. Medical research shows this. Listen to this. Social isolated people are four times more susceptible to the common cold than those who have active social networks. In other words, research found that people with strong social ties have a 400% stronger immune system than those that are isolated. Isolated people are 400 less stronger in their life. And so isolation has serious risks for our lives. God did not design us to do life alone. He designed us for connection. Listen to me. Listen to me, all of you out there. We are not Zoom calling into heaven. Heaven is a physical reality, and we are meant to be in relationship with one another. Church without connectivity in our lives really means that healing and wholeness are always going to feel elusive for us. At some point, we are going to have to return to God's solution. We need the biblical perspective, our healing, which is the church gathering, the confession of sins, praying with one another, praying with righteous people. You know, when I think of the last three years and all of the deception of the enemy and all he's tried to do in our world, we can naively hope that people are just going to go back to normal. Just go back to normal. No, no, no. But I guarantee that there are millions of people who were faithful church attenders, even here in South Africa, who are going to stay in isolation. There are millions of Christian things like, you know what? I'm just going to watch online. I'm just going to connect online. Uh, uh, you know, I'm going to stay online just a little bit longer. I kind of watch church while, you know, I do my laundry. And they're totally missing the power and authority of James 5.16. And I get it. Because in my life, it wasn't COVID. But I needed a friend who included me. I needed relationship with God's people. I needed ownership in the house of God. And I believe that there are people all over our community here, especially at Brown Park, wherever you are staying, that are going to need an invitation back into physical community of church. We need to create opportunities for people to physically come back into their healing. But it's only happening when Christians embrace the model of church that is about ripping through roofs, ripping through a roof for other people. And this story made me think about my life and the power of people seeing me and noticing me. I relate to the paralyzed man who felt like he was trapped with no hope. And in that moment, it was a friend who included me and invited me back to God. And in a lot of ways, Peter was a faithful friend who was willing to pick up a paralyzed man. It was a Malcolm and a Mark who invited me in and included me in the story of discovering my purpose. A Ron and a John who invested in me despite me, you know, who believed in me, who saw my potential and invited me into their circle. People who didn't care about the mess or confusion, you know, even when I seemed unapproachable, they invited me into my purpose. 
into healing, into restoration. Friends that were prepared to rip through a roof. For me, I was told of a story of a woman who lived in a small town in Jamaica. Jamaica of all places. Her name was Vida McKenzie. And like a lot of young moms, her life was filled with the busyness of taking care of her children, dealing with diapers and food and school schedules, whatever, whatever. Then a terrible thing happened. In the middle of taking care of her three little ones, she fell over in a total paralytic shock. Now she had this stroke. Her eyes rolled back in her head. Her tongue was hanging out and she was completely comatose. You know, just lying there in her house. In her community, there were no doctors. But she did have one friend who would come over and check on her. When the friend got her and found Vida in that state, she began to call all the other friends and gathered them together and looked at the situation and said, what are we going to do for Vida? There's no doctors, there's no help, there's nothing. The only thing that they had access to was someone who had homeopathic medicine and it wasn't going to solve their situation. The kids were grabbing at their mother, saying things like, Mommy, why won't you wake up? Mommy, wake up, woke up. I mean, it was just one of those tragic circumstances. Then they heard about a man of God who was preaching at a church on the other side of the town. Unfortunately, they were so poor that they had no way to travel. You know, it was many, many kilometers away to the church. But one friend happened to have a wheelbarrow. You know, something to move Vida in. So they put her body, wrapped it in a blanket, placed it inside the wheelbarrow, and began to push her kilometer after kilometer to the church service. They arrived. Can you just imagine it? People are gathering, worship the service as well in its way. And the minister sees these people coming straight down the aisle with the wheelbarrow. And they set it right in front of him. He was so moved by the tragedy, he could see in the tears of the eyes of the friends that were there. He stopped, he stepped down from the stage, and he shouted to Vida, In the name of Jesus Christ, open your eyes and get up. There was this long, awkward silence. Kind of like right now. Nothing happened. It's one of those moments, you know, that are so stressful. It makes everybody nervous. You know, is God actually going to do something? Is God actually going to show? But as the people of God began to pray, she suddenly swallowed. Her eyes rolled back. She stretched and stood up in front of the whole room. She was completely healed. The whole church broke out in revival that day and salvation spread throughout the surrounding communities. And as I think about those friends who were willing to do crazy things to see Peter McKenzie healed, I think of how we need to have friends like that. A lot of people define success by their bank accounts and their possessions, their job. But for me, I define success by my family and their walk with God and having close Christian friends. It's kind of like the paralyzed man in Luke 5. He just wanted Jesus to heal him, but he simply could not get to him because of the crowds. So those friends dug that hole through the roof and lowered him down. And in many ways, that's the perfect definition of being the church. So I want to ask you one more time. Do you have friends that would rip through a roof for you? Do you have friends that would take your comatose, lifeless body, put it in a wheelbarrow and help you experience Christ? Because today, if you cannot give me a yes to these questions, for all practical purposes, you are an unchurched Christian. 
You can attend a church service and still lack the transformation relationship that brings true healing, that brings true joy. You know, God's plan is not for us to just attend a church meeting. His plan is not to turn us into, you know, some Bible expert with superficial relationship with each other. No, God wants us to be a part of a community that will see us into our wholeness so that we can be all he's called us to be. And that's what the rock strives to be. This is family. Even you online, we see you as that. You know, we can talk about reaching the unchurched and, and miss the question, do we ourselves even know what it means to be church? It's simply not enough to have superficial relationships with people who happen to be Christians. It has to be real. It has to be authentic. And so I want to challenge you to break from that and, and commit to connecting. I want to challenge you, join a life group. You know, come to church 15 minutes early and, and stay for an extra 15 minutes. Put yourself out to connect, to serve, to make a difference. You need friends that are prepared to rip a roof off just for you. Let's pray. Come on, all of us. You know, every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you relate to the first part of my story. You feel alone and disconnected or perhaps you feel shame, guilt, fear. Maybe isolation has gripped you. I don't know. Anxiety has overcome you. I want to let you know that there is something greater than your current circumstances. God sees you. He knows you. He created you with a purpose and a destiny that is greater than anything that could ever happen in your life. It's greater than anything you could imagine. In fact, you were created in His image and likeness so that you can do great things. And so for all who call the rock your home, yes, I'm talking to you. I call you into the purposes of God. And it happens with simple acts of surrender. Or maybe here today and you're guilty of just consuming church. You know, God is saying that there are people in this world that is wanting you to see. He's wanting you to know and fight for. What is your action step? You know, we all have, every one of us, a next step. If you're online right now and you say, I want to step into God's purpose. I want to live differently. I want to live a faithful Christian life that sees people in their brokenness. You know, I want to step into my purpose today. I want to pray for you. And so I pray for each and every person that is responding in faith to Jesus right now. Holy Spirit, we surrender to your will for our lives. I pray that we'll be a church that is different. That we'll be a church that sees lost people found. That we'll be a church, God, that sees found people set free. That we'll see free people find purpose and purpose people making a difference. That we will not accept, Lord, the darkness of this world. But we'll be a city on a hill, Lord, that ashes in your marvelous, awesome light. That we will see people in their broken situations, God, and bring them, invite them into their true purpose and healing. That will make a difference as a church and will live generous lives. Lord, we want to live on mission for you and fight for those who are broken and hurting. And so, Lord, we surrender as your church. We thank you for what you're going to do. I'm full of expectation. I am believing for it. Now, if you're here today and you simply want to surrender your life to Christ, you're saying to me, Mark, that's me. I want to surrender. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. The Bible says this in Romans 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
So if that is you, would you now pray this very simple prayer with me? Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And all God's people, all of you sitting out there, said, amen, amen. Let's give God a big hand wherever you're sitting for all that God is doing. You know, if you made that commitment, stay connected. Someone will connect with you right after this message. But until we meet again, don't forget to share hope, show kindness. And come on, we can all be a people that shine Jesus.